Ask Wildman, the weekly show from full-service digital agency Wildman Web Solutions, is ready to answer all of your questions about marketing, tech, and sales to grow your small business. Each week, the Wildman Web Solutions team tackles your questions and trending topics live. Learn strategies and tactics to take your small business to big revenue. The Ask Wildman show starts now. We are here to answer any and all questions you have about business, technology, marketing, uh, pretty much just an open Q&A for anyone who uh, wants to learn about this stuff, the kind of things that we do all day, every day over at Wildman Web Solutions. Um, so to help me out here today, I have my partner, Mike Hanna. Mike, how are you doing? Hey, Miles. I am doing great. Feeling like I can leap tall buildings with a single bound. How are you this morning? I'm doing good, doing good. All right, let's get this thing going. Like I just said, this is a Q&A show, so uh, throw your questions in the comments, anything you want to know about business, about technology, about marketing. Uh, if you just want to ask us how we're doing, uh, you can throw that in there, or you can email us at askwildman at wildmanweb.com if you're viewing this later, and we'll try to get to your questions uh, in, the, in the next week, because this is a weekly show. We're coming on every Wednesday at 11 uh, just to answer your questions. That email address I just mentioned is scrolling across the bottom for anyone that missed it. It's askwildman at wildmanweb.com. Okay. Also to get going here, wanted to mention that we are still running our local business online toolkit initiative. This is a free toolkit uh, initiative that we started in response to the COVID-19 shutdowns the uh, the pandemic uh, we wanted to help small businesses in our community to help to manage their online presence and to leverage technology to uh, do well and come out of this shutdown uh, alive and healthy so if you're interested in that if you want to start leveraging any of those tools um, go to wildmanweb.com lbot um, and uh, sign up there it's just a quick little form to sign up and we'll be running that at least through the end of June. All right, moving on to questions. <laughs> uh, people Morning. follow, yeah, follow the uh, the example of Jeff Fry here. He's jumping in immediately, jumping into questions. So, uh, good Jeff, morning, Mr. Ahead. Fry. <laughs> let's go ahead and hit that. If you have any questions, throw them in the comments, and we'll address them as soon as possible. I'm going to assume there's a question mark at the end of this. Tips for rebranding. Uh, we hit a couple of those last time, uh, last week, a couple of items on on rebranding, but rebranding in general, um, I think that one of the, uh, the most important things is doing some crowdsourcing. We had uh, thrown a couple of ideas around with you a week or two ago, uh, but there's you never know how things are going to be received. So if you have a general idea of your target demographic, the kind of people you want to appeal to, and you can get in front of a group like that, um, you know, throwing out brand names or logos or uh, brand messaging or anything to a group like that and just sort of crowdsourcing this, this sort of group think, uh, I think is one of the most useful tips because, you know, no matter how well you know your brand, or your mission or anything, you never know how it's going to be received. Um, and sometimes that can actually create some blind spots for you and you, you, you see how you see something that you want to see and you don't necessarily need how, see how it presents itself. Uh, Mike, you want to talk about rebranding for a bit? 
Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I think I think maybe we did touch on this a little bit last week. So I don't, I can't remember exactly what we discussed. So I don't want to totally repeat myself. But uh, I think Jeff, you know, I think I do think I remember one thing that I said last week that I actually maybe bear, does bear repeating. Uh, so also I'll start there. Uh, you know, let's let's get a focus group together and let's figure out exactly the why, you know, why are we rebranding uh, before we get to the actual what part uh, and be able to bounce some ideas off some people uh, that, you know, not maybe directly in the in your organization or for other people in your business, but uh, maybe people who they are customers or they, they know who you guys, you know, are uh, and they can they can bounce back some good ideas from from what you're kicking around uh so that would be my first thing is you know don't just try to rebrand uh based on your you know your own point of view exclusively um second thing i would say is you know let's just kind of back up for a minute and define what is brand first of all you know what do we mean by that and so what are we trying to do when we actually rebrand well you know brand to me is just kind of another word for your reputation you know it's what what do you want people to think about when they hear the name of your business or the name of your organization uh, or you personally, you know, there's, there's personal brands uh, mixed up in this as well sometimes. So I guess that, you know, that, that would be my, my guiding principles. What, what do I, when somebody hears the name of my organization or hears the name of my business, what's their immediate takeaway? What's their thought process? Uh, that should be what your brand is focused about. And that's what your, your messaging, you know, part of your brand should be focused about. Uh, but there's other things to take into account, uh, such as aesthetics. You know, what does your brand look like? What does your brand feel like? And and sometimes you can even get down into the nitty gritty details, and you should, of what does it sound like? What's the voice of my brand? Uh, and so every time that you're communicating, you're putting it out in, I don't want to say maybe a exclusively uniform, but in a in a cohesive manner. You know, so so all the messages that they're getting or all the interactions that they're getting with your content or with your business itself has some sort of continuity to it. Um, and, and that's one of the things that when you do rebrand, you want to make sure that this is going, you know, this is, this is not going to cause uh, confusion with the customer. Okay. Uh, this is not going to cause people to have to jump through hoops to, you know, to wonder if you're, they're still going to get the same products or services as they did before. So that's something to consider, uh, reverse engineer it and, and think about how is my customer or how is my client or how is my audience going to react to this? And am I doing it to serve a better purpose for them? Are we rebranding it so they understand the mission better and they, and that allows us to give them better service and better products or, are we rebranding it for some internal reason? And if that's the case, then again, I would encourage you to externalize that and get some outside opinions and, you know, take some polls, you know, get some data, get some market research, if you will, uh, on those internal feelings of, of, of what is conflicting you about the current brand. Uh, does, does that make it was kind of general, Jeff? But, you know, if you wanted me to drill down on anything specific uh, that you had there, feel free to ask a follow up question on that. All right. In the meantime, I do want to hit on a question that we actually got last week um, in the comments. I answered it in the comments, but it was after the show had ended, so we didn't really get to talk about it. 
Um, it's an expansion on uh, a little bit of what we were talking about last week on website security. Specifically, this one is on uh, WordPress website security. It's talking about different kinds of uh, security measures you can take, concerns you might have, focusing on software updates, plugin updates, and why those are important. But um, this person had asked uh, or had said that uh, a portion of their website, or they got a notification that a portion of their website was no longer supported, and would that be a security concern? And that's something I kind of I had skipped over here because that is absolutely a security concern. Um, whether it is a plugin or a theme or a template or any other piece of software on a WordPress website. And this does really carry over to other platforms as well. Um, as I mentioned last week, there's a continual battle going back and forth between web developers and hackers. A web developer creates something, a website or a plugin or a theme, um, and pushes it out there. A hacker then pokes around, tries to find any sort of weaknesses, vulnerabilities, and eventually might find a backdoor, a way in uh, and a way to, be, to get in and do some damage. Uh, the web developer then needs to react to that and publishes a update or a patch to fix that particular vulnerability or close that door. And then back and forth and back and forth they go till the end of time. Um, but at some point, sometimes uh, different pieces of software or plugins or themes become deprecated or they're no longer, uh, no longer supported. That could be because the uh, developer just got bored or uh, technology evolved to the point where it was just, uh, that, that thing was just obsolete or maybe the company went out of business or any number of reasons why something might move into a non-supported status. At that point, if any vulnerabilities are found at any point in the future, um, it's not gonna be fixed and it's just gonna stay there and be open. Now your threat level is based on um, how much traffic you get to your site and how popular that thing was, that piece of software was before it was uh, before it became unsupported. Uh, hackers are basically opportunistic. They're looking for ways to get into a bunch of people's sites all at once rather than putting a bunch of work just to get into one site. So if this was an immensely popular plugin or theme, um, it's possible that someone has developed a way to get into that or to exploit some sort of weakness to install malware or you know, some other sort of hack. And it's also possible that even if this is a, po a popular plugin, there is a vulnerability, someone has developed it, they just might not find your website because you have a very, fairly small footprint or you don't get a lot of traffic, so it won't actually be an issue for you. But if this is a popular plugin, a popular theme and you get a lot of traffic, then it's really just a matter of time until something bad happens. So you need to move to update that, to replace it, or you know, do something to, uh, to change that so that you don't have that. Not only are you not using it on your website, but you don't have it on your website at all. It needs to be removed entirely. But you know, like I said in the response, there could be a problem that arises tomorrow based on this. It could be five years or it could be never, depending on uh, like I said, your traffic and popularity and if someone happens to find it and this weakness. So it's really unknown and you could be perfectly fine, but the the base answer, baseline answer there is there is a vulnerability and in order to ensure that your website is completely safe and healthy, I re would recommend completely replacing that, completely removing that component from your site. Okay. Um, we got an update for uh, Jeff's question on rebranding that we can bounce back over here. Uh, marketing is the reason for rebranding. 
Okay, sorry, Miles. I'm just texting a client back here. Uh, okay, we got. How dare you work? Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, oh, the marketing marketing is the reason for rebranding. Okay. Um, well, again, you know that's that's definitely then you know something that we want to externalize uh, and and test. You know, I guess uh, before you, you we spend a lot of money uh, on it uh, because rebranding is expensive. Uh, you know, so that's that's certainly something to consider. You know, I mean, you know, usually involves getting a whole new logo, you know, sometimes redesigning a website, you know, completely redoing all your content. You can't use content that, you know, that you, you had before that was branded the other way. Uh, so it is a process. Uh, marketing, do, when you mean, when you say marketing, Jeff, are you saying that you feel like your marketing efforts right now haven't been successful because of the branding and if that's a yes question then my follow-up question would be do you feel like that's due to or i guess how do we know that it's the brand itself and not that just we haven't built the brand up enough yet to get the equity uh to make our marketing more effective <laughs> well, well, I I do agree you, with Jeff. that. Although, although this this is a family show, I will remind you of that, Jeff. But um, <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, the bleep websites are are expensive too. But uh, yeah, I, I you know I guess I would just say you know if if you're doing it for marketing purposes. Oh, now we got another comment. I don't think I don't think the brand sounds like Grandpa. <laughs> Okay. So, so you don't think that your target audience is identifying with the current brand, if, if I'm reading that correctly. Uh, okay. Well then that is probably a, you know, a good cause to change it. But then again, I would really drill in on that target audience and figure out what will they respond to uh, and have a good plan in place uh, that I go by as my guiding principles in order to construct that new that new brand, if that makes sense. And sometimes, uh, you know, what can be really helpful is actually developing entire characters. You know, uh, you know, uh, basically, you know, you if, if grandpa is you know a grandpa in Kansas uh, is your target person, well then let's really dive into who grandpa is and create characters, give him names, write stories about him. You know, where does grandpa live? Where does he eat? What does he do in a spare time? Does he go fishing or does he like to go to the hardware store? You know, I mean, literally write all of this stuff out. Uh, and then once you really identify who grandpa is, then you can build a, a brand around that. Uh, and I would even, you know, like I said, I would do some focus groups uh, about uh, grandpa as well with actual people. Um, so, you know, to take this out of the theoretical and into the practical uh, and then apply that, uh, what you, that data that you find uh, in order to construct a new brand. Does that make sense? Well, hopefully we answered some sort of question there. If not, we can always bounce back to you, Jeff. But again, following Jeff's example here, if you guys have questions, throw your questions in the comments. We're here to talk with you, to interact with you, to answer all of your questions about all this stuff. Um, you can also send your questions to askwildman at wildmyweb.com. That is uh, scrolling below us here. I also wanted to make sure that I included the link to what I mentioned before. Um, our local business online toolkit is a uh, 
a free toolkit we're handing out to anyone and everyone helps you manage your social media, your reputation, like Mike was just talking about, your listings, like I think I'm going to talk about here in just a minute, um, as well as just a suite of analytics and articles and educational material there for small businesses operating online. Again, all free. Just go to wildmanweb.com slash LBOT, uh, link here right below me, um, and sign up there. Moving on, I've been getting a ton of answer or a lot of questions about um, SEO in general. Um, I know I had sort of briefly high level discussed some of the things, um, some keywords and research techniques and um, other SEO tactics uh, in weeks past, but I wanted to drill into it a little bit more. Um, so to just hit a couple of major points on SEO, uh, the the overarching idea with search engines is that they strive to create the best user experience possible, providing the most relevant, useful information based on the user's search, uh, search terms. If they didn't, users wouldn't use them. They wouldn't rely on them for information. So that's good news for you. That means that the most relevant information, um, the more relevant and informative your information is, the better chance that search engines will serve your pages to users searching for relevant search terms. So by practicing good um, SEO habits, you can continually work to increase your search engine result page uh, positions. You'll see that acronym around, and I do reference it here. That's S-E-R-P, um, search engine result page. So just going to go over a couple of points here, both on-page and off-page SEO practices. So starting with on-page, things that you do on your own website, on your own things that you own. That includes your website, your blog, your social media, whatever content you own. Starting with relevant keywords, this is something I had mentioned before, doing good keyword research is very helpful uh, and a good place to start your SEO journey. Um, but using a keyword tool, and I can help people uh, find some of those, there's a ton of good free ones out there and we have some that we use over here. Um, this can help to determine which words will help attract the proper visitors based on popular search terms to your website or to your, your social media, whatever you're pushing here. So make sure to pick the most relevant popular keywords for your business and then try to rank for different keywords on your web page. Number two, short, catchy, and original title tags. I talked briefly about different types of metadata. The first one is that title tag. So make sure that it's short, it's concise, it's catchy, it makes sense. It actually describes what the page is, but it's also referencing your keywords. And that's the third point. Put these keywords at the beginning of your title. Lots of people like to put the name of their company at the beginning of their page title or something like that, and then follow it with keywords or description of the page. Put the keywords at the very beginning and then follow it up with other descriptors after that. Um, I think I'm on four here, um, and that's keyword focus meta description. So that's the other meta tag I had mentioned. The meta description appears under the title tag on your uh, on the search page and gives users a chance to learn more about your company before clicking onto the site. So when you search something, you'll see that main title, that main link, and then you'll see like a, a little paragraph there. That's the description. That's what I'm talking about. Make sure to use uh, good keywords in there. Keep it somewhere like 150 characters, something like that. It should be very uh, short and to the point. Um, and make sure that it's written in regular English. This is this ha is supposed to be human readable, not just a pile of keywords. Uh, number five is something I didn't really get into before, and that's using a proper sitemap. 
Um, some website builders and generators will um, automatically create this for you. If not, then you can look up how to make one. They're, they're relatively easy. Uh, but make sure your website structure is up to date and easy to navigate. Um, the better the site structure and the associated site map, the easier it is for search engine crawlers to find the proper pages uh, and, and read through it. So, um, and there's a, a common term here that I wanted to go over, and that's a three-click rule. Aim for a three-click rule when you're structuring your website. Customers should be able to find what they need, what they're looking for on your website within just three clicks. So they shouldn't have to navigate through a, a crazy web of different articles and buttons and links and drop downs and everything to find what they're looking for. Um, number six is your actual URLs. Um, this isn't a huge thing, but it does impact it a little bit. It's properly structured SEO URLs. Uh, make sure to use keywords in your URLs as much as possible. Um, Separate words with a hyphen instead of an underscore. That's a nice one. Use static words rather than numbers. So if you have a number in there, actually spell out the word for instead of using the number for. This is a little bit easier to read for users, and it's easier for uh, search engines and crawlers. And finally, try to use subdirectory root domains instead of subdomains. So it would be wildmanweb.com slash articles instead of articles.wildmanweb.com. Um, seven, link internally with anchor text. So have plenty of links on your website linking to other pages within your website. The more connections in there, uh, relevant connections, not just random links throughout, but the more connections you have throughout there, um, the more, um, the, the easier it is for website or for web crawlers to put this whole piece, all these puzzle pieces together into a continuous uh, web presence. Eight is outbound links. So we just talked about internal links. You also want links going out, referencing and linking to reputable online sources that shows that you are a, uh, a helpful hub for internet information. Nine is your loading speed. We talked about this a little bit. Performance is really important. Make sure that uh, your website is loading quickly. That's both for users and for search engines. Search engines do not like slow loading pages and humans will not wait very long for your page to, to load. Finally, here is just really helpful content. Uh, create relevant content on your pages that is easy to read, unique, helpful, fresh. Um, your content should be so helpful and relevant that your target audience will want to stay on your page and others will want to link to it. Backlinks help a whole lot. That's a little bit more on the off-site SEO stuff. And people staying on your site helps a lot, too. Um, ultimately, search engines do use certain uses, usage metrics to rank you. That means that the more traffic you get and the more time people are spending on your website, the more search engines are going to see you as an authoritative source that it wants to display to its users. Before I move on to off-site SEO stuff here, which I'll go through real quick, um, if you have any questions on this or a lot real quick, um, you know, throw that in the comments, uh, say something there, raise your hand, um, and, and I'll dive into it. I am throwing a link to an article into the comments now. Uh, this article does reference all the citations and everything that I'm, I'm talking about here, and it can be used as a resource for you later. Off-site SEO, that's not stuff that you do on your website, but things that are done elsewhere. 
you can do some of them and some of these things need to be done for you. The first one is search engine submission. This is really useful for new websites or if you're doing a, uh, a major rebuild or major refresh of your website, it could be useful to do it here. Uh, basically, it takes a little while for search engines to organically find and crawl your site. You can help to speed up that process by submitting your website directly to popular search engines, to Google, to Bing, to Yahoo. Um, again, this is really, really important to do if you have a brand new website or if you're doing some sort of major rebuild. Number two is local directory submission. Uh, submit your business listing to uh, the, the top listing services or niche or industry specific directories. Creates more places where users can find you and that uh, crawlers can confirm your business information. Be sure to include NAP data, that's name, address, and phone number, and if possible, use your uh, include your website link and category information. Uh, a, a lot of search engines are use keywords rather than business name, so strive to use category information whenever possible. Third is social media or social media marketing. Be sure to be present on all relevant social channels. Manage your online reputation. Strive to get likes, shares, links, etc. Basically, the more engagement you get, the more authoritative search engines are going to see you. This includes uh, getting reviews, that includes responding to reviews, getting people to like and comment on your content or share your content, click on your content. The more two-way engagement you get, the more authoritative you're going to be seen, uh, you're going to be seen as. You can do this by uh, referencing something that I think Mike talked about a few weeks ago that's trying to be mostly helpful and a little bit promotional. Something like four to five times, four to five pieces of content you're putting out there is just trying to be helpful and provide value. And then something around one in five, you're actually asking for something from them. Four is video. Everyone likes video. Humans, uh, social media, search engines, everyone likes video. So this can be a really good way to help actual people find out about your business. Um, but also technology uh, and crawlers, search engines love seeing videos. Uh, so make sure to push your videos on video hosting sites like YouTube and Vimeo. Push them on social media directly to those platforms on Facebook and Instagram. And then have a video or two on your website. Um, number five is backlink uh, outreach. So you can earn backlinks by conducting content PR to get others to read your pages and possibly link to you. The more quality backlinks you get to your web page, the more authority search engines will see it uh, as having. So basically, if people are referencing you, linking to you, they'll see you as a leader in your industry and they'll want to serve your page more readily to users. And the last way you can do this is in forums and other online communities. Answering questions in forums and communities and groups can help you to build your reputation in the industry. Um, it can help you be seen as an industry expert, not only by the uh, users that are seeing this content, but by search engines as well. So, and this can also uh, give you a good opportunity to create your own backlink to your site from a reputable page. So if you can link back to your website in your answer on a blog or on a forum, that can create good value. Um, and it can also give you a really good backlink. So this is like a three-in-one SEO win. Well, hopefully that's useful for everyone here. We've got one follow-up question. Um, I know I get a little rambly when I get into SEO, so Mike, feel free to jump in at any point. But we've got 
one question to explain backlinks. Um, so a backlink, like I was just talking about, is just a website, not your own, referencing you. So um, a, another directory, a blog links to you. Uh, your friend's website puts a link on their website back to you. Um, someone puts something on social media and links to you, links directly to your website. Basically, this is people across the internet saying, hey, look at this guy. This guy knows what he's talking about. That increases your authority ranking for humans and search engines alike. So people will start to see you as that industry expert. And search engines really just want to provide their end users with the most relevant content. And if they see you as an industry expert, they'll want to serve your pages more readily than, say, your, your competition. So um, talk with your friends with websites. Um, if there's anyone else in your industry, if you know someone who has an industry blog, or if you just know of an industry blog and you can reach out to them, see if you can work with them to get something linked back to you. Um, if you get linked as a resource, if you get linked as a citation, maybe they're quoting you or referencing your material, they can link back to you. Um, one of the easiest organic ways to do that is to just have good, relevant content on your website that people will want to link to naturally. They want to show people this information, and so they link to you. But if you're not getting a whole lot of that, you can kind of uh, push it a little bit, inorganically push this a little bit by asking other industry blogs to give you a backlink, um, other people in your industry to give you backlinks. And sometimes people will actually do trades. So you link to them, they link to you, and it's a win-win. Again, if you want me to go into anything there, uh, just throw it in the comments. If you have any questions, we are here to answer your questions. Uh, so throw those in the comments or email us at askwildman at wildmanweb.com. I think we're going to move on to another topic here. Well, I guess I was just talking about search engines, so this is a natural one to move into, moving out of SEO and into SEM. That's search engine marketing versus search engine optimization. Uh, the question is, is Bing Ads a good SEM platform? Uh, Mike, I think I'll, I'll let you take that one. Yeah, so um, Bing is, of course, sometimes forgotten, but it is a, a relatively uh, popular search engine. Uh, and it can be a, you know, a, an add-on to a Google campaign, or there could be reasons that maybe you want to actually look at using Bing over Google. So it's certainly a uh, certainly competitive platform and certainly one that you need to look into if you're going to do SEM marketing. Uh, some of the, I guess, takeaways, you know, the big differences are uh, obviously Google, you're going to get more traffic uh, just because there's more people using it. So if you have a business that you need a whole lot of volume of traffic, uh, you need, you know, you do a lot of uh, smaller ticket items. And so you need volume of traffic in order to have a volume of sales. Google's still probably going to be a better bet for you than Bing, uh, but if you're if you're doing a high ticket item, I think that Bing could be especially powerful. You know, if you, if you don't need the volume of traffic necessarily to be successful, uh, because one of the big advantages of Bing is it's cheaper. Uh, you typically can get a much lower cost per click rate, which is one of the main metrics that you you would you would be uh, looking at. Uh, in terms of determining success for an SEM campaign. And typically, that, like, that's going to be a lot better 
uh, rate on Bing than it will be on Google. Not always, uh, but typically. And sometimes it can be a lot cheaper. Uh, so again, if, if you're willing to sacrifice a little bit of volume of traffic in order to get a lower cost per click, uh, especially if you're selling a high ticket item, Bing would definitely be something that I would look into. Uh, now, uh, another you know, thing to point out is that if you are currently doing a Google Ads campaign and maybe there's a lot of competition for your keywords with other competitors uh, in your backyard or even if you're doing something nationally or regionally, and so maybe you're getting a really, really high cost per click rate on Google. And if you shifted some of that budget or maybe even all of that budget over to Bing, if your competition wasn't there, well, all of a sudden you could really lower your cost of acquisition uh, by doing something like that. So certainly don't overlook it. Uh, I know a lot of people do. And some people, you know, even wonder if it, if it still exists uh, sometimes. But yes, it, it sure does. Uh, Google is not the only option out there. So always good to have another option uh, uh, and a tool in your tool belt in your in your arsenal. So uh, one word of caution, though, there, I wouldn't uh, spread myself too thin. You know, you if if you're going to if you're going to especially if you're going to try to add do both, if you're going to try to do Google ads and you're going to try to do Bing ads. Make sure you have an appropriate budget in order to be effective on both platforms and you're not sacrificing uh, your budget on one platform in order to do the other one and then splitting your, your rate of success uh, across the different platforms. So yeah, other than that, if you got the budget to do it, uh, certainly worth exploring. I would say that expands past just paid marketing and SEM and into uh, social media marketing and even organic posting and everything is, you know, don't try to do too many things at once. Don't think that you have to engage with every technology and every social platform and every search engine and everything on the entire internet, you will drive yourself insane that way. Mm -hmm. So I, I would rather you do, you know, pick one or two things and do those things well, than spread yourself too thin and dilute your, your message or your content or your, your, um, your investments. hundred <laughs> percent. Okay, well, um, I do want to hit another related question, and then we can move back into the comments over here, um, talking about you know lesser used platforms. Uh, I think this is this is kind of similar to our last one here. But is LinkedIn an effective platform for advertising as well? It sure can be. Um, yes. Yeah, so again, that's one that a lot of people maybe don't think about. Uh, but they should. And I guess we'll preface this with the same, you know, warning that, you know, only uh, if, if you can afford to do so, uh, should you be, you know, adding LinkedIn into your advertising budget. But maybe uh, you, you could be having greater success on LinkedIn than the current platforms or the current avenues that you're doing, especially if you're doing B2B. Uh, if you're doing business to business sales, I would strongly encourage you to look at LinkedIn. Uh, now, a couple of things that you're going to need to know. Um, and I actually got this question yet the other day, somebody asked me if it was still uh, a $500, you know, daily minimum floor on LinkedIn, which, which used to be the case, uh, that's no longer the case, but that kept people out of advertising on LinkedIn for a long time. Um, I think people just weren't, weren't willing to test, you know, a new platform at that, at that, uh, high of a floor. So it is a little bit more affordable now, but what you need to understand is it, it generally is going to take a bigger budget, especially to get a campaign started and getting it effective on LinkedIn uh, than typically another platform such as maybe Facebook or Instagram. 
And so make sure you know that going into it. I think LinkedIn, you know, they recommend, and this is just a, you know, a general recommendation that, that people spend, you know, something like a hundred dollars a day, uh, on the platform, which compared to other platforms could be a little bit more expensive. So you may be saying, well, why would I be maybe getting better success there if it's more expensive? Well, here's the rub is that the targeting is so much more refined on LinkedIn than even something like Facebook, which has, of course, spectacular targeting capabilities. Uh, but what you're able to do on LinkedIn is you're able to, of course, you can target by category, uh, but you can also target by specific businesses and even specific people in those businesses. Uh, you can also target by things uh, like uh, a, a, a title, you know, like uh, HR representatives in uh, the construction industry or something like that. And so it can be extremely effective in reaching the kind of people that you want to be talking to in a B2B sales um, setting that you normally won't be able to gain access to. And so that's something that I think is really powerful. And for a lot of people, it's worth spending the extra money in order to get that kind of detailed targeting. Uh, that's not for everybody, though. Uh, some people, you know, they can just get fine doing category targeting on Facebook uh, and usually at a cheaper rate. And so, of course, that creates a a better ROI or a better return on ad spend, uh, even more importantly, but, or I shouldn't say more importantly, but uh, also important. Uh, so definitely some things to, be, to consider there and some things to look in, but uh, overall, it's not a platform to ignore. Uh, it has gotten a lot better in recent, uh, maybe like the last two years or so, and it's really become a sophisticated uh, content platform. And it's really kind of like uh, Facebook used to be in the sense that you can also get great organic reach as well. And so uh, regardless if you're ready to spend money on LinkedIn or not, I think everybody has to have a LinkedIn strategy organically. And if you're in B2B sales, or oh, forget about it, you have to have a LinkedIn strategy and you should probably be spending some money on that platform as well. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of the, uh, you know, the direct messaging aspect uh, on the platform, you know, <laughs> I'm sure it works for some people. Uh, it, it's that to me is, is maybe not as strong of a way to go uh, as some of the other options on there. But again, that's open for uh, complete debate and could be customized uh, depending on the situation. So don't rule any of the, uh, the options out there on LinkedIn. All right. Well, going back to comments over here, uh, apparently I, I blew past something uh, important here, and that has two acronyms, SEO and SEM. SEO is what I was just talking about, uh, search engine optimization. Um, that's where you work to make a particular web page um, or some sort of online resource um, more favorable in search engine algorithms so that um, when certain keywords are inputted into a search engine, uh, this result is what's fed back to the end user. Search engine marketing is when you're paying for advertisement on search engines. So, uh, for example, when you Google something, uh, you, you search, you go to Google, you put in your keywords, and then at the very top, you're going to see a couple of sponsored posts. You're going to see a, uh, a map with some listings in there, and then you're going to see a list of other things. So um, the sponsored posts there are SEM. That's when someone has paid to be listed higher on that page uh, for a particular set of keywords or in a particular category. Um, then you've got the, the map listings, uh, also 
you could hear references to uh, big four, map pack, snack pack, all sorts of other words there. And then after that, you get the organic listings. Um, even though they're below everything else, those are actually the most clicked. Um, so when you're trying to optimize your site, you're trying to show up there on the organic listings. When you're doing SEM, search engine marketing, you're trying to show up there at the top with those sponsored links. Uh, hopefully I explained that a little bit better. Um, and finally, there's a question on marketing when there is no competition. I think that's a pretty <laughs> interesting method here, but I don't think it changes a whole lot of uh, of strategies here because there are um, there are ways to go about marketing when you're looking at your competition, you're looking at what they're doing, and it doesn't matter what um, you know what you do as long as you're doing more than they are. You know, if you're being chased by a bear, you don't have to be faster than the bear; you just have to be faster than your friend next to you. So as long as you are marketing more than your competition, then you're going to be you're going to be winning in that space. But that doesn't mean that's how you always have to look at marketing. Ultimately, I think that it's better and, and more healthy and more effective to uh, focus on your target audience and focus on your mesh on your message. If you're putting out good quality content, um, you're being authoritative in the space, you're providing value and you're pushing this out to the the proper audience, the proper demographics. Um, then your marketing is going to be successful whether you have competition or not. It's it's all the same strategy there. Uh, Mike, do you want to jump in on that one, Mr. Marketing Specialist? <laughs> sure thing, Miles. Well, Jeff, I I think that's a that's a problem most people would envy um, there. So, but I will caution that, of course, unless you're granted a a government monopoly, you you will have competition at some point. Uh, once your your offerings resonate uh, enough value with the consumers, you know somebody will of course jump in. Uh, that's just that's just the way it works, right? So uh, enjoy it while you can, I guess uh, would be <laughs> would would be my first bit of advice. Second bit of advice in that and to actually answer your question there, uh, focus, you know, which which what you should probably be primarily focused on. 99.9% .9 of the time. Anyways, focus on your consumer then, you know, focus on your target audience, focus on creating enough success with that audience that somebody wants to come and, and chip away at it and be your competition and put your blinders on and, and don't worry about what anybody else is doing. And, and that's probably, you know, good advice for people that have competition as well. You know, uh, Offense works in, in business, you know, <laughs> you know, defense wins championships is, is somewhat of a misleading term, uh, especially in, in the business arena. So uh, that's what I would say is take advantage of this situation, go on 100 percent offense. And when you do get competition, don't allow that to uh, make you go on defense, you know. Uh, keep focused on if you, when you do get competition, that's just confirmation that you're doing something right. Uh, and so double down, triple down on what you're doing and keep on doing it. But yeah, like Miles was saying, I don't think that that really changes the strategy uh, for you here. One, you know, one way or the other. Now, if now let's let's just play this scenario out a little bit and, and have some fun with it. Now, let's say that, you know, you do get competition in the marketplace and you start to lose market share to somebody at the extent that it's you know, it's alarming that, you know, all of a sudden your, your revenues, your memberships, your participation, everything, you know, that you, you value in your business is drastically going away to a competitor. Okay. Well, obviously that's something that we can't ignore 
and we need to figure out what would happen there. What are they doing better in the marketplace to suit the needs of the consumers that I haven't adapted to or I haven't thought of or I'm incapable of doing? And can I adapt and offer those same services, maybe even be better than my competition? Uh, so when we get to that stage in the game, I think is when, again, I wouldn't go completely on defense, but I would stop and take a time out and, you know, kind of assess the situation here uh, and, and get my game plan together and then go back on offense with it. Um, hopefully that answers your comp, your, uh, your question about the competition, Jeff, if not fire away a follow up there. Well, I think we've gotten through our questions in the comments here. I know we've got uh, we've got clients to serve over here on at Wildman Web Solutions, so we'll probably be wrapping up here in just a minute. Um, if you do have any other questions, uh, email us at askwildman at wildmanweb.com. We will get to you next week. We're on here every Wednesday at 11. That's Central Standard Time uh, for anyone not in our, our geographic area. Um, so be sure to uh, check into the Ask Wildman live stream event so that you get notifications when we're about to go live um, and send us any and all your questions. We want to be a, a resource to our community and um, you know, share some of the knowledge. But Mike, thanks for joining me. Yeah, Miles, always a pleasure. Um, thanks for the questions, Jeff, and everybody have a good rest of your week. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Thanks, everyone. We're wrapping up here, but uh, I'll see you again next week. Um, email us all your questions or just visit us at wildmanweb.com for more information. Thanks for listening to Ask Wildman. Send us a question for next week's show at askwildman at wildmanweb.com.